This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Lay the wood. <laughs> we will find every angle to handicap on this show. Every Absolutely. last one. Cowboys minus six. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio. McVay's head's back in California. <laughs> I made I made Orlovsky's head practically explode a few weeks ago on first take. I was on doing a segment where I was going through picks, and as I was analyzing the over-under, the total, for the Notre Dame-USC game, I was talking about how Notre Dame had been on this real tough run. Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, now you got to get ready for USC. And oh, by the way, they had midterms this week. And that's a school where midterms matter for the football players. So, you know, like your head's elsewhere. And like, I just see his eyes and then he starts trying to, you know, counter. Like, does he agree with my assessment? Does he not agree? And he's like, I don't know, man, this midterm thing outside of South Bend. I don't think there's anyone in the country talking about that. It's like, hey, we're looking for everything around here. Every edge matters. Well, I mean, we know they weren't talking about that at UConn. I understand. <laughs> See, I did not say that. You said that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Good start Carl, to the hour. Carlin versus start. Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, thinking about putting out an all-points bulletin on Gras. Still no response uh, on the chicken parm mastery that was put together in my kitchen last night. We have put it out on social all over the place. It is on our Twitter pages, uh, at Chris Carlin, at Joe Fortenbaugh, at Carlin versus Joe. Also on our Instagram pages, at least on mine, uh, at that guy Carlin. Joe, of course, at Jay Fortenbaugh. Yeah, I didn't and, put it on mine. Uh, thank you for nothing. I didn't feel the need to put your dinner on my Instagram account. Good to see we're a team. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Having said that, uh, we need the Bucci Gross. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Affirmation? Confirmation? Seal of approval. Seal of approval on what I was able to put together in the kitchen last night because the taste was nothing short of magical. Magical would be a word I would use. Perhaps, and Bucci's been quick to to really dismiss bad-looking chicken parms. Perhaps he feels that way about yours, but seeing as how your colleagues, he's abstaining from the vote in an effort to protect you from perhaps some criticism. It could be, but, you know, Bucci, I, I, I don't know that we, we haven't met in person. I think we did a couple of radio shows together during the, during the pandemic. But those were we the best shows, if you yes. if you remember back. Yeah, the, the all time the all time best radio shows. Yes, but I, all right, I look, Michael Jordan and David Robinson versus a giraffe and a lion. <laughs> but Robinson's not oh, can only shoot threes, and Jordan can't play defense. Who do you have? And it's, and like, it's oh. only Jordan from ninety one through ninety three. Right, no Triple H say ESPN. We'd love to hear from you. Please get us to the finish line. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There were times during those shows the clock was moving backwards. <laughs> anyway, speaking of the clock moving backwards, the Bulls have a players-only meeting after night one oh my of God. the NBA season. What a story this is. Oh, my dear Lord. What is going on? In Chicago, the Bulls are an abject nightmare. Uh, they lose to the Thunder by 20 at home. And so I checked in on this this morning, and I'll just read you a text message from someone in Chicago who would have some pretty good insight on what's going on. 
They've had these issues since last year, uh, going back to Goran Dragic. He was uh, released. You remember, uh, they were not playing as a team together. He wanted out. And it's why they went to Nashville for five days here during training camp. Need to play less ISO and take more threes, and they didn't make them last night. They get frustrated, so they go back to their old ways. And I don't know about you, but it's always a well-coached team that gets frustrated and frankly regresses that tells me a lot of good things i mean okay so according to the story and this is my favorite part of this according to the story the bulls end up getting blown out by 20 against oklahoma city they get blown out at home in the opener they're in the locker room they're having a conversation head coach billy donovan comes through the doors to address the team and they ask him if he'll go back outside the locker room because they want to have a players only meeting Donovan apparently agrees and leaves, and then this meeting takes place. Right there, Donovan has to shut that down and say, gentlemen, gentlemen, I understand, but the optics of us having a players-only meeting after game one are not going to be good. So I'm going to have to sit here. You guys can say and do whatever you want. I just can't allow this to happen. We can't be a joke one game into the season. And yet, here we are. The Chicago Bulls already a talking point for nothing other than pure dysfunction to start the season. I mean, last night, OKC's knocking down 55% from the floor in that game. So right there, you got a bit of a defensive issue if they're going to shoot like that from the floor and then shoot 48% from deep. They were scorching hot. Meanwhile, the Bulls, 28% from deep. I mean, they couldn't buy a bucket in this game. So I don't know. I What's that meaning even about? Can I yeah. ask, like, what's the meaning about on day one when you have a problem? The the only acceptable answer is, you know, where they're going to dinner on the first road trip. <laughs> like, that's it, <laughs> honestly. Or what clubs are going to hit. Like, I, I don't know how that's possible that you can have that meeting. The only way that comes out of it is, okay, is, is what I kind of described there is we've made this incredible focus during training camp to turn toward playing a certain way, and tonight we went right back to the old way. So let's try to nip that in the bud and say, guys, you know, what the blank here? What are we doing? We didn't even give this a chance. That's yeah, all I, I mean, can think of. It makes it that that that's it. I mean, if it's you can't possibly have a conversation about effort after game one. Like everyone's going to show up and bring effort for game one, are they not? If you got a guy who's not bringing max effort game one, that dude's got to be gone, right? Yeah. There are so many great opportunities to mail it in throughout the course of the season. You can't mail it in game one, especially on your home floor. What was the story? I can't even remember the coach, but there was a coach that he. He, I don't want to get the name wrong, but I feel like it was Rashid Wallace later in his career where when the coach took over, Rashid said, look, there are three times a year you can't count on me. And he said, like, Toronto, Miami, and New York. Like, he named three <laughs> cities where when the team said, now, I, I, I want to say all due apologies to Rashid Wallace if it's not you. I thought that's what the coach said about that. It might not be. But basically, he said, look, there's three times a year you can't count on me. He named three cities where there's great nightlife. And the coach was like, sure as heck. Yeah, he was right. I could not count on him on the, for those games. <laughs> Man, it sounds like I should have been back in the prop bet mix back then on Rasheed Wallace. Right? Like, imagine being able to track. The, the Toronto flu used to be a very real thing. One thing we yeah. still look at, and this especially, I'm sure the, the great people of New York are aware of this, um, road teams, betting against road teams for matinee Sundays. Yeah. 
Like that's a big, oh, yeah. big, big, big bet against spot. If you have a matinee Sunday, New York City, you want to bet against them because they the opposing team was out in New York the night before. Sometimes that can play in L.A. as well. You also want to check that in Miami and Toronto. Yeah. Bart used to always make the point. Bart Scott always used to always make the point. Oh, oh Bart Scott? There's so many Barts, I wasn't sure which one you were referring to. Right, I'm just being clear. I'm There's Scott and the Simpson. Audience. That's it. Are there any others? God, you're such a hater. Dear God. <laughs> Jumping me on everything. Come okay, on. I'll, I'll, I'll pull back. Let the big fella breathe. Let him cook. <laughs> Let him go. Let him be him. Maybe we ought to have an all-players ta- all, uh, meeting here after the show. Yeah, at least it's two months in, though. <laughs> right? That's it's fair. like, okay. Was it after day one? The, the higher-ups would probably be like, seen, frankly. frankly I've seen shows where after this... day one there was yeah. that kind of a meeting. I had that in San Francisco. Yeah. I had it. We had a day one meeting after the first show. How'd Producer ended up quitting, too. Great story. <laughs> one of them ended up quitting after day one? It was my first ever radio job, and I remember looking around thinking, you know, I moved here for this. This does not seem to be going well. <laughs> We're allowed to quit? I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> wow. I, Going um, back to what Bart said. Yeah, Bart used to say, South Beach is undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're, if you're looking at a team going into Miami and getting ready to play, South Beach is undefeated. But was it like that for football guys, too? Yes, it was. Because I thought those guys were under, like, lock and key because they're only coming in for one night. Yeah, but it, it wasn't so much lock and key. It's not like that where it's, like, in college. Sometimes they can get out. I don't know if different teams have different curfews or things like that or guys are skipping curfews, all that kind of thing. I, I do know I knew another player that told me that every time his team went into Tampa, it was the second we land – we are going to check out all of the gentlemen's establishments late in the afternoon. Mons Venus. A few others. Yeah. Mons but, Venus, though, top of the list. It's like yeah. Spearmint Rhino here. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> but they weren't getting... Listen. That's what I heard. Were, I just want to make that clear for everyone yes. listening. That's what I have heard through sources. Yes. Absolutely. Not through and, personal experiences or things of that nature. No. No. Uh all right, I'm going to let that go. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. The NBA continues tonight. The Lakers are hoping one trend does not continue. There is an explosive quote you're going to want to hear next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, a couple basketball selections for you. These are player props in tonight's Philadelphia-Milwaukee game. Player prop number one, Tyrese Maxey, over 26.5 points plus assists. So the way this works is you combine his points and assists, and if it's more than 26.5, so we need 27 or more, we are a winner. It's priced at minus 120. The reason for this is pretty simple. Maxi averaged right around 23, 24 points plus assists last season. But a lot of that featured James Harden on the court. You take Harden off the court, Maxi becomes more of a scoring option. Hence more shots, hence more points. In addition, he has to become more of a facilitator as well, hence more assists. So we want to go over 26 and a half points plus assists for Tyrese Maxi. In addition, Joel Embiid 
over four and a half assists. That's priced at minus 140. Last season without James Harden, Embiid was averaging 6.4 assists per game. He hit this number quite a bit last season. The juice is fine. I'd make the adjustment if it went up to five or five and a half assists. But for right now, two more player props for you. Tyrese Maxey over 26 and a half points plus assists. Joel Embiid over four and a half assists. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Don't miss see better drive safer month at O'Reilly Auto Parts with great deals on wiper blades, headlight bulbs, and more. They'll even install your new wiper blades for free. Get ready for shorter days and more nighttime driving. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Joseph, did you happen to catch Charles Barkley on our good friend Anthony Davis and his take on where AD is right now in his career. Are you ready for that? Caught a little bit. Very excited to hear it again. Nice to see Sir Charles off and running at the start of the NBA season. Here he is when he was on with Freddie and Harry this week. He's a very talented player, but I don't think he has that mental mindset where he want to go out there and dominate every night. I mean, he's just way too inconsistent. And I don't think your number one guy can have those types of peaks and valleys. You know, LeBron tried to pass the torch in the preseason. It doesn't matter. He can't pass the torch. You got to take the torch. Nobody passes the torch. And Anthony, I don't know if he has the mental mindset. He does. Well, he's proven it, that he doesn't have the mindset to be that number one guy. See, I absolutely love that. And I think it's 100% accurate. And I think the Lakers have found that out. And I understand that we can point to the championship that they won inside the bubble. But again, three months off to get ready for that run. And it was a summer camp title. It was an AAU tournament. Let's call it what it was inside the bubble. I know that there were challenges presented there that are different than they are during the normal playoffs, but the rigors of a normal playoff run, I'm sorry, takes away my book from that championship for AD. And I've just watched him here the last couple of years. There is nothing about Anthony Davis that makes me believe that he is a good enough running mate for LeBron James to win a championship here in Los Angeles, aside from what had happened in the bubble. So my theory on this, and it's not just Davis, there's a lot of guys. James Harden falls into this category as well, as do others. And I'm not going to say I fault him for it because I think they're just products of their environment. And what I mean by that is go through the history in this day and age, not in the 80s, 90s, not in the 70s with Magic and Bird. I want you to look through this day and age of what the modern NBA star's life looks like going way back to when he's a kid. Like at some point, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, these guys, they're identified really early on as as big-time prospects. It's not like they're 21 and people are starting to realize, hey, this kid might have something. It happens in AAU ball young. And they get onto these AAU teams and they travel around the country and they're playing other big-name teams and they come around shoe guys and agents and managers and handlers and runners and all these types of guys. But while all this is happening, their life is now becoming basketball. And their life is becoming interesting because they're being coddled a little bit, as they should be. They're stars. They're being pampered. Their lives are elevated above the lives of the average junior high student, average high school student. 
This continues all the way on into college where the biggest and baddest universities are recruiting them, trying to give them money, perks, everything they possibly can to get them in the door. At which time, what are they doing? They're not taking 15 credits as freshmen like the rest of the kids. They might be taking fewer credits, and they're certainly not taking the most difficult of classes because they're not there for school. They're there for basketball. They're there to do as well as they can on the court so that they can get into the NBA lottery, so that they can go to an NBA team and get paid. And in college, they're being told how great they are. And when they get to the pros, they're given a world of money and being told how great they are. And then in the case of a guy like Davis, you end up winning a championship. So we sit here as fans and we say, well, wait a minute, man. You don't don't act like Jordan. You're not going out there like a killer every single night. That's what we as fans want to see. For Anthony Davis, what, what else is there? He's already won a title. He's got more money than he'll ever know what to do with. He's had all the success in the world. He's been coddled and told how great he is for the better part of 15-plus years now. Like, what incentive is there to go out there and be a dog every single night? There isn't. Some guys still have that in them because they're natural-born competitors. They're natural-born killers. But there are a lot of guys that their life's good. They've checked every box. It's not like it's that hard compared to other sports to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame, right? It's the easiest of the Hall of Fames to get into. So for some of these guys who already know they're headed there, Carlin, what left, What else is there to prove? Yeah, I, for me, for Anthony Davis, if you are truly an elite-level competitor, there's still a lot to prove. But that's you're making the point. Like, that's why he can't be at that level. That's why he can't be a true championship chaser, so to speak. Like, look at what Chris Paul's done, Okay. And won a title, he has gone everywhere possible to try to make that happen. Yes. And you know that he lives and dies with that and its importance in his legacy. Yes. Do you feel like if he had one already, he would still be chasing another one? I think there's a very good chance he'd retire and he'd be fantastic in the booth. Fantastic as an analyst. Yeah, I think he'd be fantastic as an analyst, but I think as, as we look back... And, and he's talked about how it's not important to his legacy. Garbage, because he keeps playing. Yeah, you if, know he wants it. Yes. I, I think that if he had won one already, Chris Paul's the kind of guy that would continue to chase it a little bit more. I don't okay. know if it would be to this degree, but it would be important to him. Let's call it what it is. It's not important to Anthony Davis. Doesn't feel like that at all. And if you're LeBron and you're trying to get another one, even LeBron, though, at this point, Are you still trying to get another one? He's a killer. We know that, but we know that the reason he's in Los Angeles is more family-related than anything else. You have to remember something, and and, and we talk about this every time the Powerball gets up over like a billion dollars, right? Powerball's at $750 Everyone asks, what would you do if you won the Powerball? One of the first things you always hear, I quit my job tomorrow. I wouldn't even show up, right? These guys have hit the Powerball. But they got to play out the contract. And the thing is, there's not all that incentive and motivation to get out there and perform at your best every single night. You want to take some nights off for load management because you're still getting paid. You're playing this out because, you know, it's generational wealth and no one's going to turn down $42 million in a season when they're 29 years old because they know that money's not going to keep coming in the way it is. So why not gut it out? Keep going. Make what you can and then eventually shut it down. This is exactly why you should truly appreciate, not criticize, truly appreciate guys like LeBron James, like Damian Lillard, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who live and breathe trying to fight for those championships, who want to go out there every night and play. 
Like, those are the guys you should rally behind when you get upset about guys like Anthony Davis or James Harden, who seemingly are just doing this, you know, for the money. Legacy's relatively set. They're not necessarily chasing the championships. You can't fault them. Their entire lives, they've been told how great they are. They don't see it as, well, I need to go win four rings to up my legacy. To them, their legacy's already secure. Well, here's a little something that's going to interest you for tonight. Breaking, breaking news. Mm. Devin Booker. Bradley Beal, both out tonight, according to multiple reports, against the Lakers. No Devin Booker, no Bradley Beal. The Suns taking on the Lakers this evening in Los Angeles. Lakers six-point favorites. Uh, how soon did that number jump here in the last few minutes? Well, no, it's been six. It was six this morning because we're getting set for daily wager today at 6 p.m. Eastern. So we were ta- we're going to talk about that game tonight. So when we were writing it up this morning in the document so that the producers can get things organized, we had our notes in there. So I saw that this morning. I'm going to bring it up now to see where we're at with this. But you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Well, what's the problem? I know Beal's dealing with a back. What's wrong with Booker? He's got a toe. Is it bad? Like, did, no did it happen? That the... it's, no indication that it's bad as of yet. He had 32 the other night. And he can't play two nights later in a standalone game? There's the game before them, right? There's Sixers and Bucks. And then yep. right after there's this game, these guys are already resting? Yep. Remember, they have. there has to be some sort of... Uh, uh, an I wanted to watch this game. This is Durant versus LBJ. I thought this was going to be a game. This, but there has to be some sort of an injury designation now with what they're trying to do as far as load management, especially when they're on the road. Oh, my God. It's the first week of the season. It's Lakers Suns. All right. Well, I mean, we got the NFL tonight. Plenty of player props for you. It's over on TNT. So that is a that is a real bummer right there. It's on TNT, so it's not our problem. I mean, I thought that. I just didn't say it out loud. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Week 8 gets underway in the NFL this evening, as Joe alluded to. The Bills are not the only team that need a win tonight to keep their season alive. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Sometimes to stay ahead of the pack, you need to roll a little different. Pick giant losers. Let's pick some losers. Losers! I certainly know them when I see them. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Hit us on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's pick the losers because it's just as important as picking the winners. Buccaneers at Bills. The Bills, nine and a half point favorites tonight, Thursday night football. Joseph, who loses tonight? Yeah, the Bucs lose this game. Not one that requires a whole lot of analysis. The Bills have been struggling. The Bucs are banged up. They're not very good against the run. Defensively, the metrics are a little overinflated because they have done well in the red zone and they force some turnovers, but they give up a lot of yards. And if they're not able to force the turnovers and get the red zone stops, the floodgates could open. I see a big offensive performance from the Bills tonight. Bucks lose tonight, but I see a potential for a backdoor cover at nine and a half. I could absolutely see that because that number feels heavy with as inconsistently as the Bills are playing right now. But the Bucks will lose. 
Jets at Giants. Jets, three-point favorites over the Giants. The Giants are the home team in this game. Joe, the Giants will lose this game. The Jets are quite simply just the better team all the way around. They have the most dominant unit with their defense. And I'm not going to sit here and try to sell you on Zach Wilson. Let's just say this. It's incrementally improving week to week with the Jets. It is. They're off the bye, too. Great little situation there. Giants coming off a win against Washington. Probably a little bit of celebrating. The Jets have the bye. They understand that at 3-3, three and three, they're in a much better spot than they thought they'd be after the way things went down in week one with the Rodgers injury. And now the schedule starts to lighten up. So you got to come out focused. you got to come out energized. Wilson has to be put in a position to succeed. Keep the ball clean. Don't turn it over. I agree with you. The Giants lose this game. Jaguars at Steelers. Fascinating game. Jaguars two-and-a-half-point favorites. And, Joseph, the Steelers are going to lose this game. And the reason I say that is the Steelers at 4-2 and two are not a good football team. We need to understand this. They have a couple of great, great players on the defensive side with Alex Highsmith, with T.J. Watt. Great players. Minka Fitzpatrick, great player. The Steelers overall are not a good football team, and the Jaguars are. This feels like one of those games where Jacksonville goes into Pittsburgh and layeth the smackdown upon them. Close. Layeth the smacketh down is how it goes. Layeth the smacketh down. Layeth the smacketh down, as The Rock would say. Well, I've Agreed. got a lisp, so Pittsburgh it's a loses scene. this game. Pittsburgh might be, what are they right now? They're 4-3 four and three or 4-2? Four 4-2. And four and two. Four and two. Yeah, 4-2 and two with a negative point differential. That is a huge red flag. They're one of the worst offensive teams in the league by virtually every conceivable metric. I mean, I think I read a stat that they've been outgained in every single game they've played this year, and yet they're 4-2. and two. Like, that is not sustainable. This is last year's Minnesota Vikings. This is last year's New York Giants. And oh, by the way, here comes Jacksonville, 10 days of rest because they played on a Thursday night. They have plenty of time to get healthy. They go into Pittsburgh. They win, and they cover the spread. And speaking of the spread, get it now if you like the Jags at 2.5 because that's going to go to 3. Texans at Panthers. Texans, three-point favorites over the Panthers. The Panthers are bad. Remember the movie Geely with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> yes. They are Geely bad. They are the office post-Michael Scott bad. They are bad. And the Texans are not bad. They have the superior quarterback in C.J. Stroud in the battle of one versus two in the NFL draft from this past year. The Texans take care of business. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd lay the three as well. Carolina's going to lose this game. Both teams are off the bye, so the bye for the Panthers doesn't do anything to give them an edge over Houston. Houston plays hard. They're pretty physical. They've got solid quarterback play from C.J. Stroud. They've been competitive in their losses uh, for the most part. Meanwhile, you know, there's not a whole lot to get excited about with Carolina. Bad protection, lack of weapons, quarterback's already been dinged up. Defense turned out to not be as good as we thought it would be. Frank Reich out here defending himself against comments that at one point he said he liked Stroud over Young. That is not what you want to be talking about in mid-October, year one of your rookie quarterback, number one overall, whom you traded up to get. Things stink right now in Carolina. They stink bad. Houston wins the game. Houston covers the number. Rams at Cowboys. Cowboys six-point favorites. Joe, when I don't have a rooting interest, what do I root for? Chaos. Chaos. That's what I root for. 
it would be chaos if the Cowboys lose to the Rams this week. Irving, Texas, well, they're not in Irving anymore. They're in Arlington. Arlington, Texas has the World Series right across the street from AT&T Stadium. AT&T Stadium, if the Cowboys lose to the Rams, could very well implode. And I, for one, will be there to document it. <laughs> I mean, the, the good news for Cowboy fans is that Mike McCarthy historically has done excellent work coming off the bye. 11-5 and five straight off. 12-3-1 against the spread. I mean, he is sensational with an extra week to get ready for the game. Here come the Rams, who have been feisty this season. All their losses, except the Eagles game, were one-score losses. They should have beaten Pittsburgh last week. I think they're at a disadvantage here, given the fact that they're traveling and Dallas is rested. I say the Rams lose this game. Haven't done anything with the spread yet. All right, let's go one more here, and we will go with the best remaining game. Bengals at 49ers. 49ers, three and a half point favorites over the Bengals, and you think the Bengals are live. Yeah, I would say the 49ers lose this game. I think this is a really good spot for Cincinnati. Love the three and a half. Got to make sure you get the three and a half before it goes to three. Key number there. Since he's off the bye, we've seen them start slow in previous seasons. They started two and three last year. They started five and four the year before and then went to the Super Bowl. They're in the AFC Championship game last year. If Burrow's healthy and this team comes off the bye feeling re-energized about making a run at this thing, they're going to be very live here against a Niners team that's played back-to-back games on the road, short week off the Minnesota game. They played that on Monday night. Debo's hurt. Christian McCaffrey's banged up. Trent Williams is hurt. Uh, He's probably going to play, obviously, but these guys aren't 100%. And now you got Purdy in concussion protocol. So, yeah, big problem there. I'm I'm calling for the upset. Niners lose this game. Yeah, Joe, if there's one thing I am, it's basic. I am basic. (laughs) And I will take the 49ers in this game. I say that, in fact, the Bengals will lose. And it's just simply... A case of the 49ers being able to run the football very effectively against a team that is not very good against the run. And I'm aware of the oblique injury to Christian McCaffrey, and I'm aware of the Brock Purdy situation, and I'm aware that Debo Samuel is likely out. I still like the 49ers' ability to win this game. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Joseph, in just moments, how much trouble are the Bills in with a loss tonight? We get an insightful look inside Buffalo next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Prototype in terms of size, arm, mobility. He said he was going to be a star, and he is. They built their franchise around him. Looking for LA. He's got it. Touchdown, Bills. I like winning. Whatever I'm asked to do, I'm willing to do. Big one for the Bills. There's been inconsistency, and it's been difficult to really identify what's going on. So we try to do that right now. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Eric Wood is the former Bills Pro Bowl center. He joins us right now. He is their radio analyst. Eric, Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, as we get ready for the Bucks and the Bills tonight. Uh, let's just start here. What the hell, man? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's a heck of a way to start it. Um, you know, 
the the injuries that started over in London on defense have just ravaged this this defense. You have all pro Tredavious White out, all pro Matt Milano out, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver missed the last game. And so you have so much star power in your defense that a lot of those won't be back. Ed Oliver, we hope, plays tonight. But this defense is extremely banged up. That's part of the reason you see the Bills giving up 29 points to the Patriots last week. And the defense would be better served if the offense could get off to a hotter start, if they could start to make teams one-dimensional again. But this Bills offense has struggled to start games. Now they come alive in the second half, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, they're just trying to kind of balance this act of, okay, how do we – keep Josh Allen healthy, limit the hits on him without running, without him maybe improvising too much. And so far, that hasn't been their perfect recipe, especially starting games. And so I expect you'll see a a more aggressive Bills offense to start the game tonight. All right, so let's drill down on that part about Allen for a second. Carlin has been talking about this for a few weeks, that he's not running nearly as much. Considering the fact that he's gone over 700 rushing yards some of the last few seasons and then his pace for this year. So is this basically in his head now that he's taking too many hits and maybe he's a little bit shy when it comes to running? Or what's happening there? Yeah, so really they're not calling any design runs and not even the the read option, the RPOs that we've seen in the past, which gives them the option to run. And then when he gets in scramble mode right now, especially after that Jets game, they've I believe he's been coached to to play conservative w- with his body. Don't take unnecessary shots, you know, move the ball down the field, but it's it's cost this Bills offense at times. At times there's been times where it looks like that he could run for a first down and he's not picking those up. And I think as the season goes on, you'll see him more aggressive in those situations running the football. But you're exactly right. I mean, heading into last week, uh, heading into week six of the season, or week seven of the season, there was no point at any point of his career where he didn't have at least 60 rushing attempts. And I believe heading into last week, he was at like 22. And so – Realistically, he's running about 33% of the attempts that he does in a normal season to this point. Eric Wood, he is the Bills radio analyst, at all-pro center with the Buffalo Bills in his day, joining Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. So here's what I want to know with that. Is it as simple as, hey, when you do run, you have got to find ways to avoid contact. You have got to slide more. I don't know that that's the simple answer. Um, You know, they want him to be protective of his body and be aggressive at times in critical situations. If it's a third or fourth down, if you're down the red zone, yeah, those are the times where you use your legs. And if you withstand some contact, that's a calculated risk and not maybe first and ten, second down, where you're not coming off the field if he's not using his legs. And so it's it's a balancing act right now that they're – it appears that Josh is trying to play, but – you know, they they understand the scrutiny their offense has gotten right now. And they also understand that this world-class defense they thought they had with all the injuries is not quite the same that they thought it was. And so this offense is going to need to be more aggressive moving forward. And if they can play with leads, that would really serve this banged-up defense. And so I think part of playing aggressive will be Josh using his legs a little bit more. Okay, so Tredavious White out on defense, Matt Milano out on defense. We've talked about that. Trade deadline is next Tuesday. Do you see Buffalo doing anything to try to address some of these issues as they get set to try to make another run at it? I do believe so. And Brandon Bean is one of the most active GMs in the entire NFL when it comes to trades. And then also they just restructured Deion Dawkins' 
contract to provide more cap space to work with. Uh, I don't think you make that move this week if you're not eyeballing free agency or sorry, the trade deadline is a time to make moves. So I think you could see some uh, moves made and, and it could potentially be, you know, on the defensive side of the football, it also wouldn't surprise me to see them maybe take a, a flyer on a, uh, a Hunter Renfro type where maybe you get a true slot receiver you can add to the mix. Last one here, Eric, uh, and that's Stefan Diggs. That situation completely calmed down, or is there still an underlying worry if things are not going well here in the coming weeks? No, I mean, it's completely calmed down, and, you know, Diggs has his – uh, emotions that he wears on his sleeve and he sees you see it on the sideline but um i think that's just more general frustration and the competitor coming out at him and not directed at coaches or teammates and look i mean stefan Diggs, the captain of this team has been for multiple years and there was something going free agency and we we still haven't heard exactly or sorry uh, at the start of the offseason There was something going on. We don't know exactly what it was, and we haven't heard, but it seems like all of that's uh, passed, and he's having one of the best seasons in the NFL at the receiver position. Terrific insight, and frankly, best answer I've ever gotten to the question, what the hell, man? So we really got off to a good (laughs) one. Thanks, E. I'm going to steal that move from you. you (laughs) Feel free. I'm prepping for... Yeah, as I start prepping for interviews, I'm going to say, let's just start it off. Hey, what the hell, man? And then just, <laughs> just see where it goes. Because then, then I can take it in any direction I want to. I like that. Exactly. Lot of flexibility there. Exactly. And just like Coach Prime, I, I trademarked it. In, <laughs> yeah, I think they teach that in communications classes nowadays. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Eric Funny Wood. how the world has come full circle, at least for me. I remember being in Indianapolis for the Combine when Wood was coming out of Louisville, I believe. Yep. And he is a huge human being, and he had a big mop of curly blonde hair on his head. Like, he will stand out because yep. he is a massive human being. But to see him there, and now all these years later, you're talking to him on radio, he had a successful career, and now he's moved into broadcasting. It's nice. He, it's nice. He, let me tell you something. He is as good of a guy as there is, too. A really terrific individual. And, boy, coming out of Louisville, I saw him play a lot back when Rutgers and, and Louisville were playing in the same conference. And he was a dynamite, dynamite center. Like the kind of guy, it's not often that you see a player that you notice on the offensive line, especially right. on the interior right away. He and Nick Mangold are the only two guys that I noticed in college right away on that offensive line in the interior. Should have uh, should have run your chicken parm by him. Seems like a guy who's probably had a good point. chicken parm before. Great point. I mean, he's probably more focused on wings up there, but great point. Uh, the wings up there will get you. My wife is from there. Anytime I am in town, minimum six to eight pounds being added. Minimum. Wow. Wings and beef on weck. Beef on weck? Yeah. Their version of like a, a like a roast beef sandwich. It's fantastic. It's on this roll. It's salted. It's very very good. It's 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 incredible. I have never had beef on weck. We got to get you one. We got to get the big man one. Can't can't keep going through life having not had the beef on weck. I'll tell you what I have now. Right now, beef on weck on the brain. That's what I've got. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know lunch. what this thing looks like, and I'm not. I'm intrigued. I'm I'm ensorcelled. I need to know exactly what it looks like and if if in fact i can squeeze one in for lunch here in about the next half hour it's delicious oh i don't doubt it thanks for listening to the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio 
You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin versus Joe podcast.